Are we taking a shot up in the tailgate yep. lot yep. with a stadium view? <laughs> what a great spot. Damn it, I've been waiting all week. Counting down the days till I'm back in my seat. Till I'm back in my seat. Back on the boulevard, Monday, February 20th. Here to prove to you there is no such thing as football season. And that was evident this past weekend. Several NFL players, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, all sending positive messages, liking what they see so far for the XFL kickoff. Guys, a ton to unpack on tonight's show. Let's get started. Matty Fresh here with you tonight, sitting a stone's throw to my southeast. Oh, man. A man who has suffered now through a Super Bowl loss and a franchise opening loss in the last seven days. Our director, the owner of the humble abode we call Studio Z, and sad Seattle Dragons fan, Chris Zuck. Yeah, hello. Ben DiNucci and Lemons. Name a better duo. I can't. Have I said I love your new hat, by the way? Mm-hmm. You look cute. I'm thrilled. It's Victory Monday. Let's party, DC. What a game to end XFL kickoff weekend. And let me tell you, if you enjoy a couple of low-life XFL fans burying each other after one of our teams triumphs over the other, then this is the show for you. Pound that like button and subscribe to the channel. Also, play along in our PS5 Pick'em. Three of you were a perfect 4-0 this week, which means you get one entry to our PS5 giveaway. So that's exciting. Uh, If you go 4-0... You have a chance to win a PS5, so pick along with us. Week two, we'll run it back. I'll throw that link up in the description on our Thursday show. Uh, For now, if you got 4-0, I'll send you an email out, let you know you got an entry. Uh, So on tonight's show, we're going to run through all four kickoff weekend games. Of course, I'm going to give you my takeaways. We have the first edition of our Boulevard Poll. That's going to be ranking XFL teams one through eight based on who we think would be favored on a neutral site tomorrow. And remember... We went 4-0, at least I went 4-0 in my game picks, but the best bets will always be separate from the picks. We have a little appetizer for you in our Thursday shows that runs through every game. We pick a game straight up. The real meat of the meal is the best bets. So we don't keep a record for our picks, but if you tailed me, you did get an entry for that PS5. So we'll show you how he did in our best bets as well. And we have the debut of Man to Man with Mikey Manziel. I'll also give you a best bet for some lines that we saw come out earlier today on DraftKings. Taking a look at our XFL standings, a quick update for you after week one. Of course, the D.C. Defenders on top of the XFL North at 1-0. St. Louis squeaking out a win. They're tied for first in the North. Vegas and Seattle in the basement of the North. In the South, the two Texas squads, Arlington and Houston, they'll face off in week two at 1-0. San Antonio and Orlando with some work to do at 0-1. So that's your standings. Time to tell you how they got there. The Arlington Renegades, what a rally they had. And before we talk takeaways from this one, I do want to say thank you to the Arlington Renegades and the XFL. Uh, You welcomed our Boulevard Bowl tour to Choctaw Stadium And that was incredible. Like many of you, I was in elementary school when the height of the Attitude Era was going on and The Rock was on your television on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Uh, If you would have told third grade me that I would meet The Rock, I would have told you, well, that's impossible because he's on TV. He's not even a real human. Uh, I wouldn't have lived to see fourth grade if you told me in third grade that I'd meet The Rock at a football game. So again, The XFL truly is a league of opportunity, and all cliches aside, for players, coaches, staffers, and even me, a sometimes directionless freelancer, I'll never forget covering the birth of Danny and DJ's XFL. It's now a core memory for me, and that would have not been possible without the wonderful Renegade staff, so thank you. And uh, before Zook over there tells me to quit beating off and get on with the show, uh, let's talk about some ball. So Vegas took the ball. They put on a clinic with their play script right off the bat. I assume that this probably was encouraged by the powers that be. Remember, you get one chance here. I said on Thursday, you maybe get one half of football to make an impression on these casuals. And if you watch that opening drive from Vegas, it really checked all the boxes. It was competitive. It was efficient. It was most importantly prepared 
offense from Vegas, and it became the XFL's first scoring drive. Luis Perez to Jeff Bidette, uh, seven minutes, 12 plays, 69 yards. Nice. First XFL scoring drive, of course, had to be that way. Uh, at this point, I'm sure some of you went to DraftKings and hammered that Vegas Vipers title future. Not me. Couldn't have been me. Uh, I sat back and I waited for the Renegades to counter. And they did. They ate up another seven minutes, settled for a Taylor Russolino field goal. The rest of the half for Vegas was the Jeff Bidette show. Uh, the former Sooner just blew by everyone on his former squad. I, I know he made Bob Stoops regret not drafting him to, uh, this time around. So they were through one half and down 11. The Renegades really looked lifeless, especially on offense. Uh, Drew Plitt was picked off by C.J. Avery kind of right as we went into half. And, and I'm sure bad memories of those 2020 failures uh, for the Renegades and Bob Stoops started to seep into the minds of the fans um, at Choctaw Stadium. And then it all changed. No, the Renegades' comeback really had nothing to do with guys settling in making plays or any halftime adjustments. In fact, Bob Stoops said himself in the post-game presser, adjustments are overrated, especially when you only have a 10-minute halftime. Well, the cactus thorn in all of our asses, Mikey Manziel, he sent me a tweet. And you'll see this coming up later in a segment. He said over Twitter, somebody tell this man, Matty Fresh, that I'm always right. Remember, Mike had Vegas money line. So Vegas is up 14-3 to at this point, and after 28 minutes of football, Mike calls this one early. Well, after he sent that, I think it was 4.11 p.m. Central Time, uh, the Vipers were victimized. First, by a Tomase Lalile thick six. No, it is not a pick six, ESPN. This is a thick six. He's a big boy. They had a thick six. They had a Jamal Carter forced and recovered fumble. And a botch fake, fake punt, fake punt, fake punt, whatever you want to call it, from the minus 33. So after those three things happen, Mikey puts that in his bowl. He mixes it all around in his bowl. And before he even gets the chance to look down and look at the mess that he made, it was a blown double-digit lead for the Vegas Vipers. Luis Perez throws another rough pick six. This time, the Devontae Bosby with under five minutes to play made it an eight-point renegade advantage. And here's where I come in, right? I'm sitting on Arlington minus two and a half. And I'm on the sideline. I'm looking into the Choctaw Stadium rafters and the wind's blowing. And I'm thinking, not only did I just witness Mikey get publicly pantsed on Twitter by his own team, I covered. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the worst mistake you can make as a gambler. I didn't say it. I didn't even show any body language that showed I was thinking it. But I thought it. And because I did, Vegas engineered their first scoring drive in over two hours. I watched Donald Payne lunge at the ankles of SinQ Sweeting and miss by the hair of an ass crack. And it was at that point that I realized TJ Barnes dropped Perez to thwart the two-point try. And it was Renegades 22, Vipers 20. The 4th and 15 didn't matter. Geronimo Allison got clocked across the middle. Renegades 22, Vipers 20. Gambling gods 1. Matty Fresh 0. But this wasn't about me. It was about the players. And I can assure you, even the worst of beats was not going to ruin my day enough that I wouldn't talk about what happened here at XFL kickoff. Uh, our best of the Boulevard nominee for week one, Bruce Hector, the end for the Arlington Renegades. Although he didn't get the start or even appear on the stat sheet, the former USF Bull did his job. And that was bull rushing, winning his battle, and forcing Luis Perez to throw an ill-advised ball. Right into the hands of Devontae Bosby. Let me also say, when Arlington controlled the ball for the first 10 minutes of the fourth quarter on a 16-play drive that went, what, 55 yards? 16 plays, 55 yards. Think about that for a second. I can't do the math. Only when it comes to gambling can I ever add or subtract numbers, but you can do the math there. Um, 16 plays, 55 yards. <clears throat> that sounds a lot like my NCAA football offense on EA Sports, to be honest. But remember, they were stuffed at the end of that drive on third and goal. I think it was at the two. And sure, Bob Stoops could have kicked it. He could have went up four with under five to play. But this is the XFL. 
and you have a quarterback on the opposing sideline who's in complete desperation mode, just spiraling out of control. So if you don't get that two-yard touchdown, what happens? Well, you pin Luis Perez at his own two-yard line. And with the way he looked, at the worst, I think you get a three and out there. But at the best, what do you get? A turnover that completely changes the game, wins the game for you. Magnificent coaching there by Arlington. I thought Stoops had another call, actually, after Vegas committed that illegal substitution on fourth and seven. He brings Marquette King off. We're not going to punt, he says. And I think Marquette was happy about that, even though he wasn't getting another rep. He wanted to see Arlington win that game. And Drew played on the quarterback on fourth and short, hits a nice slant and a key first down. So great coaching by Stoops in this one. Uh, What else stood out on this blustery Texas afternoon? Well, a few things. Jordan Smallwood's hands, as good as advertised. Early candidate for catch of the year in the XFL. You saw it earlier on our B-roll. Jeff Bidette is faster than you and pretty much everybody in the XFL with his 4-2 speed. So don't bet against him like I did. Bet on Bidette. New slogan for you. And for as much as spring ball folks love Luis Perez, and I do too, don't get me wrong, it's time for us to see why Brett Hundley was worth 200 large. I'm puzzled as to why he wasn't put in this game. I get sticking with your guy, and I've been critical before of two quarterback systems. But it's, it's time to see what Brett Hundley got paid four times more than any other XFL player or starter. For what reason? If you're just going to ride him on the bench. So quite the exchange between Bob Stoops and I in the presser, by the way. If you want to check that out, go scroll back to my Twitter. Um, I love you, coach. And someday you're going to realize why I introduced myself as Matty Fresh, what led to a great moment in the presser. Uh, I got a feeling Arlington's going to be that tough, kind of win-ugly squad. Um, on a weekend where most kickers struggled, I got to give a shout-out. Taylor Russolino, three for three, did not miss a field goal. And while Vegas is exactly what I thought they would be, they're talented, but they're inconsistent. They can beat anyone. They can lose to anyone based on the weekend. They're not going to make the playoffs because they can't run the ball unless they peak late. If they peak late and put a few wins together, that's all that really matters in a league like this, but can't run the ball. They had 25 yards rushing according to our graphics. So Arlington 22, Vegas 20. And then we went to H-Town for the nightcap. Uh, the Houston Roughnecks hanging that 2020 banner in fashion. And most of us who closely follow the league had a pretty good idea, I think, how this one would go. We called this on Thursday. Uh, in fact, I was drowning my bad beat sorrows from losing by that hook in Dos Equis and brisket tacos and all the wonderful things that Texas Live has to offer. And uh, I fired on Houston minus three and a half last minute, very last minute. In fact, I think I tweeted out about one minute before kickoff, but it still counts. Got to be on top of that. Follow along on Twitter, Matty Fresh TV. Not going to count it for the record, but it was there. Uh, I just couldn't bear going to sleep 0-1 is really what it was. I also gave out the over as a bonus play here on VEASAN Live. Shout out to those guys for having me. Uh, and thanks to that Phillips 3-4, Air Raid AJ, both tickets cash. So a great, great time watching this game. I think the Roughnecks have both sides of the ball in great shape here, guys. Offensively, AJ Smith, remember, going with Brandon Silvers over Cole McDonald. That may have surprised some of you. Um, not shocking. I think the pro experience difference comes in there. Silvers has played in every spring league under the sun. Um, I think he looked much better than he did in XFL 2020's opener where he took a loss to DC. Remember he was playing for the sea dragons. And, uh, back then that was who running the offense. That was, uh, Jim Zorn's team. So interesting there. He comes over to the air raid, uh, in Houston. His options are much better too. Deontay Burnett. I'll say it again. Cam Phillips 2.0. In fact, he might even be better. I know, shocking, but he's got those kind of intangibles. Eight catches for 90 and a score for the former USC Trojan. Uh, He was the deadliest wideout across the card in the whole XFL, and and that's what I expect. That's why I drafted him on my fantasy team. So um, he was complimented by John Trey Kirkland. Max Borgie was thrown in there. He's a running back. They both scored. Travel Harris out of Washington State was featured often. Uh, A.J. Smith has the top offense in the league. And in my opinion, it's really not close. Just look at the numbers. Uh, What he did was impressive. And even that's through Brandon Silver's looking completely lost at times, Um, especially on the two picks that he threw. I thought, oh, here comes the Brandon Silver's we know. Well, when you got a coach like A.J. Smith, he can calm you down and make adjustments, get you on the headset, calm you down. They couldn't do that with Silver's in Seattle. They just benched him. Here, they left him in the game. They did not take him out for McDonald, even though he threw two picks. Houston won by 20. It shouldn't have even been close. 
in this one. I mean, the play calling, again, impressive by Smith. Orlando's opening drive ended in what was an acrobatic Sean Davis interception. You saw it earlier in our highlights there. That was somehow ruled a touchdown by Dean Blandino and allowed to stand. I think that was the one black mark on the XFL command center out in Van Nuys, California. Um, but they held their own this weekend outside of that. I think they did a great job. Hats off to Dean Blandino and crew. Um, Brandon Silvers, what do we know? He's a serviceable quarterback. He's got elite skill players when it comes to this league around him. Just has to limit the turnovers. They've kind of plagued him throughout his spring league career. Um, and A.J. Smith is going to have the roughneck scoring at least 30 or more a game. They top 30 with 33 here. And it's going to be easy, guys, when your defense holds their end of the bargain. Trent Harris was a complete nightmare for the Orlando offensive line. And frankly, they looked awful. They got to figure that out up front. Uh, four of Houston's seven sacks from 33 himself and the former Miami Hurricane are best of the Boulevard nominee. He made defensive coordinator Brian Stewart's life easy. Think about adding him and Tim Ward up front. Ward, another two sacks. Tavante Beckett at the mic. He had a pick six that got called back. Got the Houston fans fired up. Uh, star-studded secondary. They held a guy as good as Charleston Rambo to four catches and 22 yards. Excellent job from Brian Stewart. They showed they can do it well in all phases of the ball, although I do think some of this is Orlando being exactly as bad as we thought they were. Uh, the odds makers had him at 9-1 to one to win the league for a reason. Uh, stop me if you heard this before. Paxton Lynch was benched. And in came Quentin Dormady. 51-yard touchdown to Andrew Jamil. I think it was a second or third throw. So the Twitter trolls were out in force. Remember, a lot of casuals watching this league. They know Paxton Lynch. Even the casuals know Paxton Lynch. And boy, they unleashed a fury on Twitter on old Paxton. Uh, not much to say about the Guardians. I think they'll probably scratch and claw their way to a win or two in this league. But um, I'll leave you with the quote from Orlando Guardians defensive coordinator Tony Carter on his open headset mic. He said, this shit ain't working. And that surprised me because remember, Terrell Buckley, no cussing. No cussing at practice, no cussing in the music. Uh, tighten up, guys. Come on. Stick to your own policies. Uh, and for the hometown Danny Garcia's sake, please start Quentin Dormady next week. I think the Paxton Lynch project is over. Um, so that's Houston, Orlando. Thank you to our viewers here live tonight. Zook and I will try to interact with you guys in the chat throughout the night. Uh, if you have questions for our mailbag, this is something that we're going to try to fill out. Um, we're going to try answering some of these and, and maybe do a segment one of these weeks uh, with all of your questions. Tweet me at MattyFreshTV. You can leave a comment on the video. Uh, the live chat obviously will disappear, so make sure you physically comment on the video. You can also email me at that email on the uh, logo, although I spelled my own last name wrong. Uh, this is how hectic my weekend was. It is not Matty Fre Fre Fresh Tunes. It is Matty Fresh Tunes at gmail.com. <laughs> so go ahead and shoot me an email. Uh, what the hell? Let's throw it to Man to Man with Mikey Manziel, the debut. We'll be right back on Spring Ball Boulevard. Welcome to the end of the first weekend of XFL football. I'm Mikey Manziel, and this is Man to Man. While I was sitting here at home, Las Vegas, watching all these fun football games, Matty Fresh was in Texas, here. He flew first class, got all the amenities, got a nice hotel, field access, and I got a nice little couch. Who won the weekend? We'll see. Before I get into this though, if we do have anybody who knows the owners of Cashman Field in Vegas, um, uh, please send them a letter or give them you know, a vote of confidence. Um, back in 2016, again, not my proudest moment, uh, there was a AAA baseball game. Uh, I had a no-run first inning. I know a lot of you play this. And uh, there's a man on third, two outs, and uh, third base up called a balk. And like any sports better would do, he'd be mad. I was upset. I threw a brat, 
and I got a lifetime ban. Now I am a changed man. It is now 2023. Um, and I feel like I should be allowed back in, but who's to say? But anyway, you guys came here for football, not to listen to me complain. Let's start off with my play of the weekend. With my, my Vegas Vipers. This is the changing point in this whole entire football game. I was tweeting Maddie Fresh. I was so excited. They were up. They just got a fumble recovery right here, right after the half. And this is what happened. Our man took a play action pass and he saw nothing but blue and he saw someone else raising his children. So he just threw this ball so he wouldn't get hit. And it went right in to the Renegades hands. I can't tell you enough and I can't stress enough how crazy this was to me. I just got done messaging Matt on Twitter. They ran this two point conversion they did double flip pass. I knew they weren't going to get it. Our defense had this snuffed out. But again, I was fuming. And and there's not a lot I can do when Matt is sitting there just blasting me on Twitter. He's sitting there texting me, FaceTiming me. Zook's at work. You know, I work full time. I'm a professional sports gambler. And all we have is Matty Fresh sitting there just yelling at me like I did something wrong. But I digress. Here we go. We got Orlando and Houston. I want to preface before I get into this play and these series of play. Paxton Lynch is six foot six. He is six foot six. He might be six seven. He's got some high cleats on. I will say I played D3 quarterback. I was pretty good. I know Matt alluded to that. I had the highest BAC ever. Um, that is blood alcohol content. I did have a great time. Um, you know, if, if, if any of these XFL teams need a shot, I got the dad bod too. We can do this. Um, but this center's got to get it going. I've seen him snap the ball over his head one too many times this game, but let's get it. We got a fourth and three right here. Paxton Lynch in the shotgun. We got twins to both. We got the back to the right side. Let's see what play they run here. What I would do here is run past the six, but here we go. Passes behind the sticks, bobble, and he does not get the first down. Now let me preface again. This was fourth and three. No clue what they're doing, but that's why Orlando took the only blow out of the week. Now, here we go with Houston, just throwing an absolute dot. I mean, you can't you can't make this any better. Perfect little corner route across the field. He's just too fast. Here we go, back shoulder fit. This is Aaron Rodgers at Avante. And I want to preface something really fast here. After they scored this touchdown, there was no looking back. Houston literally said, Orlando, you may have the sun, you may have the beach, but guess what we got? That's goddamn football. We got a black screen here, but soon you're about to see one wild ending of a football game. Let me show you here. See, St. Louis was down by two scores heading into here. This is the fourth and 15. AJ McCarron steps up in the pocket, rolls right, and this is a dot. This kid catching this ball makes some huge plays in this game. This is the coach's son. They are just having a great time. A.J. McCarron again, just throwing balls. He took a shot here, and I think his wife thought he was dead. And I don't know if you know who his wife is. Google it. Just type in A.J. McCarron's wife. You'll wonder why everyone watches football games. Here we go. We got a little screen. He breaks some tackles. He said, bitch, get off me. We already know what this was going to do. And here we go. Probably one of the plays of the game. This is, this is a hospital ball to win the game. He runs a perfect little seam route in between four players and knows he's going to get rocked. And A.J. McCarron said, I don't care. I trust my guy. They go here. They win the football game. San Antonio had no idea what hit them. They're going to lose this game after being up by two scores. Maddie Fresh special. Zook head-to-head. -head. What is the consequences for this game? down 10 points and the security takes all the beers from the fans i'm getting blown up i'm i'm drinking myself i'm not gonna lie i was having a great time dc was losing i'm blowing matt's phone up i prematurely called this one again and this is my fault this is my fault let's get into it fans are going nuts i don't know why but here we go. They took the they took the beer snakes 
And these fans said, you know what? If my quarterback can't throw touchdowns, we're going to throw lemons on the goddamn field. And that's what they did. Dallas Cowboy third stringer pops back to throw the ball, and boom. The throw of the game. Ben DiNucci, don't get him confused with Brett Favre, pick six right at him. I'm pausing this real quick to just kind of break down the defense that DC sat in. Earlier in the game, they were throwing these five and outs. And adjustments happened. And Ben DiNucci played behind Dak Prescott, who also makes these same mistakes in the NFL. Threw a five and out into a cover two. Corner just stayed. He said, you know what? I saw this play before. Ain't going to fool me. And guess what? They didn't. Touchdown, DC. They go down. These crowds are going just insane, throwing beer on each other. Now, there's one thing I do want to get into, and I got to get out my whooping stick. Matty Fresh is a DC fan. DC beat Seattle. So I don't know what's going to happen with Zook and Matt. You know, we're all in the same conference. DC is obviously leading. Um, but they travel next week. And guess where they go? They go to Viper, man. And again, Cashman Field, someone please help me out. Um, they, go to, they go to Cashman Field, Las Vegas, prime time. And guess what we're going to do? We're not letting no beer snake happen in Vegas Stadium, baby. This is Viperland. And we don't drink those little drinks. Gave him seven and a half minutes, Zook. I do apologize for that. What I don't apologize for will be beating the brakes off of not only the Seattle Sea Dragons, Zook's team in week one, but now the Vegas Vipers in week two. That's going to sit very well with me here for our crew on Spring Ball Boulevard. Enough said. That was Mikey Manziel. Thank you, Mike, for man-to-man. <laughs> Hurts to say it, but thank you. I'm coming for you week two. So Saturday's action, well, I think was just a little bit of an appetizer for Sundays, right? We knew D.C. and Seattle would probably end up being the game of the weekend. We told you that on Thursday. Uh, but I'll admit, I slept on the Battlehawks and Brahmas. This was the most highly attended game of the XFL opening weekend card. 24,000 plus packed the Alamo Dome. Uh, Not a single one of them expected this finish. Hurts. See, I'm sure we had everybody that was watching this game. We all had our different points where we called this one and said, well, that's all she wrote. Uh, For me, it was mid fourth quarter. St. Louis responded to San Antonio's first touchdown drive of the afternoon by sending the kicker out. Mind you, they were down nine. It was fourth and eight from the plus 25. I thought that was the wrong decision. You got to leave A.J. McCarron out there. And Hagman missed from 43. The Brahmas used the run game, ate up five crucial minutes o'clock to drive down and snag three points of their own. Parker Romo made that field goal. And we all sat at home and said, okay, two possession game, 15 to three Brahmas with three minutes to play. It's over. Well, not in this league. The Battle Hawks had about <laughs> 22 yards of total offense. I think I have the real stat. In a graphic coming up, but it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a lot up to this point. <laughs> Maybe two first downs. But this is why I told you two things on Thursday. I said, one, A.J. McCarron's experience made him the most valuable player in the league this weekend. I'm not saying MVP for the season, but this weekend, being able to go into it raw with no film. And two, being Austin Prohl was a player to watch despite being wide receiver four on the depth chart. I said, watch out for Austin. And for whatever reason, the Battlehawks limped through 58 minutes of football. Then we got a show. First, it was Marcel Aitman finally getting some love for my fantasy team. Where was Marcel? They found him for a 33-yard 
throw down the sideline, and, and that got him in the red zone. Then they got Hakeem Butler on a touchdown pass. They got the three-banger. This was getting exciting. It was an XFL sampler of sorts. You had the three-pointers. Then you had the fourth and 15, the onside alternative. We saw a crack at that play, the onside alternative, with the Vegas and Arlington game. That was about 24 hours before this one. Um, but the difference was this one got converted, and that's because they have Austin Prohl. Guy just gets open. Uh, they fed the hot hand. McCarron started to play like it was the 2012 Alabama LSU game again. Uh, five for six, 59 yards, and a touchdown. All with under a minute left in this game. That's ridiculous. I have to give credit to Steve Gonzalez. We had him on the show Thursday. And the rest of the guys up front. Great pass protection late in that game. And they struggled all afternoon. But you got to give it to them. They never quit. Our best of the Boulevard nominee for this one, Austin Prohl. Four crucial catches for 49 yards and the game winner. An all-time XFL moment between him and his dad, Ricky, as he came off to the sideline. Uh, and then Anthony Beck hugging both of them. They were losing their mind. And and what Mikey referred to as a hospital ball, which I think was actually a very good way to put that, AJ throwing it right into coverage. That's the kind of receiver you want on your team. Austin Prohl not going to shy away from contact. And that humongous Heinz Ward smile we saw for many parts in the afternoon, especially when they went up 15-3, to wiped right off his face. It looked like they told him he just finished second in Dancing with the Stars. Uh, San Antonio Brahma's faithful watched the defense that was so solid up to that point in the day, forcing punt after punt. 95% of this game was St. Louis punting. Mike Scott. Two sacks for the Brahmas. Ranthony Texada, a sack and a forced fumble. Ryan and Drew Lewis flying around in the secondary. Luke Barco locked down Marcel Aitman for most of the day. Have to give him credit. But this is the XFL, and as much as Jamie Elizondo had a mission to control the clock and he executed on that, the Brahmas ran 30 more plays and outgained St. Louis by 100 yards. But when you're down 12 in this league, you might as well be down six. I think the Brahmas will be okay this year. Remember, we told you on Thursday, this staff, probably a year or two away from being an XFL title contender. Kalen Balazs, though, he was a bright spot. He runs very hard. I think Jack Cohn is going to get much better in this offense than he showed you. Um, but again, the Brahmas have some time. And look at inside the 30. They, they sent the kicker out four times. They scored once. And they turned it over. I think they made three of four of those field goals. So you just got to get the ball in the end zone. You can't be settling for field goals like this because three points don't matter in a league where you can score 18 on two touchdowns. Remember that. And then it got real interesting from there in the nightcap. St. Louis and San Antonio for most of the game, kind of a snoozer. And I'm sure the XFL wasn't too happy about that because a lot of people probably turned it off before they saw the great finish, but it's a great part about social media. Maybe a lot of people don't watch these games on TV, but as soon as they see a tweet pop up on their phone, they're going to go. But speaking of tweets, by the way, why did the San Antonio Brahmas retweet their own demise? They retweeted ESPN saying St. Louis has come back from down two scores with under two minutes left. I guess it's because it's the XFL. We got opposing teams retweeting their own demise. And hyping up the winning teams. So that's just, <laughs> I mean, what can you say? Social media 101. Some teams don't tweet the final score. The Brahmas embraced it. My DC Defenders, the grand finale. We warned you that this could be the best game of opening weekend. And boy, did it deliver. This game had all you could want. Seattle's high-flying run and shoot with June Jones and Josh Gordon. DC's aggressive, gritty Greg Williams defense. You couple that with a crowd that reminded us all why we love this sport and a crowd that has been starving for competitive football in the DMV. It was all missing one thing, the beer snake. So launch your lemons, DC. Heads up, Zup. How to contribute there. I contributed to the beer snake. Good catch, by the way. Uh, much better than DC looked on the first drive where they had several drops. But you are far stronger as a unit 
than the jabronis running Audi Field Security. Remember that, DC fans. They can't stop you. And we will free the snake in week three. I promise you that. Now into the game. DC dug themselves a hole to climb out of. 11-play, 70-yard drive for Ben DiNucci, ending up in a wild flip to Josh Gordon into the end zone. Great play there. That was the early lead, and I, I tweeted out, I thought the D looked a little bit soft, which I was surprised under Greg Williams, but of course, that was probably an overreaction. I haven't watched this team play in three years, so I was antsy. Uh, I thought they looked a little soft. Um, there were missed tackles. I think Greg Williams actually alluded to that at halftime. Uninspiring first drive for Fred Kaiser's offense. It featured, like I said, a drop. I think there was a false start and then a backwards run. Uh, Seattle goes back down. They get a field goal. It's 9 nothing at the end of one. So quite literally, the two things that fans had to cheer about were taken away. Good football and the beer snake. So you might as well just pack it up and leave. Of course not. Not the 12,000 clad in red and white last night. They never hung it up. They never stopped emptying plastic cups into their livers. No, we didn't give up. They responded with a touchdown drive. Eleven, or This one was actually 15 plays. Long drive. 73 yards, eight, seven and a half minutes. That's vintage Fred Kice. That's right to the book of what he wants to do. You run it on first down, you get to second and seven. You run it again, you get to third and four. You run it again, you barely get it by inches. Remember, football's a game of inches. You got, what, 3.3 repeating uh, yards on each down to get a first down? You don't need flashy football like they do in Seattle. Just running a couple yards right up the middle, three yards in a cloud of dust. It worked that drive. Again, my EA Sports playbook works. That's basically what I do. Uh, You got three downs to get 10 yards, like I said. And that felt really good for Jordan Tamu to score that first touchdown. Uh, He had a one-yard scamper. After his final game in XFL 2020, remember what he did? Came to D.C. and lost as a member of the St. Louis Battlehawks. Can't beat him, join him, Jordan. Love to see it. Uh, Josh Malone, Chris Blair, Rykel Armstead all stood out. Uh, not much from Abram Smith. D.C. did have a little bit of trouble up front. Big props to Ty Clary, backup center out of Arkansas. Uh, he stepped up big when Mike Maietti went down early in this game. I hope Mike will be back. He's going to be a huge loss if he's out for an extended time. Um, Center is that one position, right? You can't afford to lose it in this league because guys are playing different positions, not a lot of linemen, not a lot of depth. So I was more worried than I should have been when Maietti got hurt, but Ty Clary cleaned it up. Uh, You have to clean up the false starts if you're DC. I think they had four or five in total in the game. And after the touchdown, the first touchdown by Jordan Tom, who made it 9-8, the next four DC drives resulted in four three and outs and one total yard. I was getting worried. Zook saw it. We were watching here in Studio Z. I was pacing. I start to pace back and forth. I'm thinking, it's just not working. Fred Kice in the tent, calling plays. It's just not working. Seattle mixed in a score. Brilliant drive for June Jones' offense. Capped off by Brendan Knox, just bullying Santos Ramirez. 13-yard touchdown run for Seattle. And it was this point where Chris Zook got comfortable. Up 18-8. to And that's why he wears the plunger tonight. Because you never get comfortable. And he even said it after the game. <laughs> Thought we had it. Uh, how about Daniel Whelan dealing jet flying that limousine riding son of a gun? DC's punter. He started all this. You might not realize it if you didn't watch every play of this game. He started all this. He sends a missile 55 yards to the Seattle 18. That set the entire stage. Yet a false start, minus five. A sack, minus four. And the pick six that you saw in our highlights. Uh, our best of the Boulevard, by the way, is not Seattle's Daniel Joseph, who got tossed from the game for what Dean Blandino detailed as a strike to the midsection. Dean, keeping it clean, keeping it PG, although many things in this broadcast were not. Dean kept it professional. Uh, this, was, <laughs> this was a funny moment. Um, Did you guys see the exchange that the officials had when they were trying to decide whether to toss Joseph or not? From what I saw, and I I could have interpreted it wrong, the female official came up to the white hat, and she said, 96 throw punchies out. That's the call. Okay, well, it's an ejection, so we're going to take a look at it, just like we do everything in this league. And I think the white hat said, turned back to her, and he goes, I thought it was a nut tap. 
This is the XFL. This is what you're going to get. Our best of the Boulevard nominee, Mike Joseph. Two second half picks, one to the crib, five tackles. Honorable mention, though, Seattle's Jacor Pearson, 12 catches for 95 yards. Really hard to stop. Kind of reminded me of the Debo Samuel of that offense. Uh, the defenders escape 1-0. and And I'm going to leave you DC faithful with three good things and three bad things here. Here's the pros. De'Ara King got reps. He had a key two-point conversion and the score that put us up. Uh, to me, it's simple. If you want to run and you're up in the game, use King. If you're down, you're trailing, you need to throw it, maybe early on in the game, Jordan Tamu. But Derek, Derek King needs to get his reps, for sure. Uh, if DC is trailing, there's no reason for Derek King to be in. He's not a developed passer yet. In fact, Seattle had one fall right through their hands. Uh, I think it was deflected, but he almost threw a pick. He got real lucky there. So I think as he develops his passing, I think that's what you stick with, using the run. And you can still keep defenses guessing, because if you have to throw it with King, you can't. Um, the second thing that was good, the passion that I saw from Greg Williams. Remember, this isn't some sideshow league to him. This is a guy that coached the Bills. He was with the Jets. He was with the Browns. All over the NFL, right? Keep that energy, Greg Williams. Rip your assistants all night, because they're going to learn from it. <laughs> we saw him really digging in. Uh, the third good was the home field advantage. I mean, what can you say here? Best fans in the league. Danucci won't admit this, but Ben Danucci was very clearly rattled. He was rattled, and he could not get it out of the back of his head. When they got backed up down there, that must have felt like he was playing inside hell of a cell. I mean, what are you supposed to do? You're right up against it. Your left tackle got bopped with a lemon. They're screaming. Beers are getting thrown so far, you could feel them trickling down the back of your neck. That doesn't happen in Jerry World, where Ben DiNucci played in his NFL start. So, telling you, watch out for those DC fans. We can be dangerous. Uh, here's the cons. Everything in the box score. Don't look at the box score if you're a DC fan. Uh, the play calling showed promise, but I don't think it was at the level it needed to be. The guys up front held their own. Did not allow a sack in this one. So that's huge. Uh, the tight ends, I thought, would play much better. I thought this was a very solid room, and it might be, but they need to play better. Run game only went for two and a half per carry. Not good. But the worst thing I saw was the clock management from Reggie Barlow. Not great. You cannot by any means call a timeout up four with two minutes left. Barlow stops the clock on fourth down to decide, do, do I want to go for it? Do I want to kick the field goal? Or I, Actually, it was punt. So regardless, he calls a timeout. You can't do that. Seattle. I think at that point had exhausted their timeouts or they were going to because they're going to need them for offense. So you can't, can't call a timeout there. And I think a lot of DC fans probably thought the same. Got to clean that up. Um, obviously, they didn't get the fourth down there. So it gave Seattle all the time they needed. Danucci took them 52 yards in 11 plays. All for not. He dropped the lemon. He dropped the lemon on the goal line. And it was a broken play. I think it was an option pitch it was supposed to be. The running back was a little too deep. Who knows? But we couldn't see it on the broadcast cameras. And when we went to the field view, you could see just dropped the lemon. So this was a great game to wrap up an electric opening weekend of XFL football. And my DC defenders are 1-0. And Seattle's got to go back on the road, even though they're playing at home, to play on Thursday night. So who won the weekend? The DC defenders. And our week two... Boulevard poll. This is our first ever edition of it. I'm going to get completely buried in the comments, I'm sure, because I should have DC at one. Well, even my level of homerism, I can't make that up, right? It, I'm not going to say DC escaped. What I will say is Houston looked better. Now, again, DC had a better opponent. I don't think Orlando's very good. But I can't look at a box score that said 9 of 21 passing for 177 yards for the defenders and put it over what Houston did <laughs> to Orlando. Houston Roughnecks have never lost in the XFL, and it doesn't look like they plan to under A.J. Smith. They're 1-0. I'm going to get heat for putting D.C. above Arlington, I'm sure. But the Renegades, if you want to talk about escaping, that was a close call. 
very close call. But it was their first win in Choctaw Stadium. They were 0-3 there in 2020. So nice treat for the fans. I was there. They were loving it. Uh, again, Battlehawk fans, I'm sorry. But <laughs> he trailed for 59 minutes. And what Seattle did was show you that they have a high-flying offense. They showed you they're more of capable than moving the ball. I mean, we showed you the stat graphic. They outgained D.C. by 150 yards. They completed 27 more passes than D.C. They had eight more first downs. The game was right there. It was Ben DiNucci's to win. Now keep in mind, they did not. So this is not a top three team right now. If it was a top three team, you'd win that game. I don't care where you're playing. I do give them the edge over St. Louis, and it's not going to matter because guess what? This poll is all about who would be ranked on a neutral field tomorrow. And in a few days, Seattle will play St. Louis, and guess who's the favorite? I know, you're shocked. It's Seattle, minus two and a half. So don't come at me. Come at the sports books. This one was a little tough at six. I think Vegas showed the most promise of the bottom three teams here. The first half was much better. San Antonio, to me, I've never been a huge fan of Jamie Elizondo's offenses. And they just kicked too many field goals. I mean, for Jack Cohn settling in, it just you're not going to win games with kicking three field goals. You got to score. And they were only able to score once inside the red zone. And the defense just got gassed. It was that simple. I don't care how long. I think San Antonio had 77 plays versus St. Louis's 42. doesn't matter. Orlando. A lot to clean up there. I think they would be number eight consensus everywhere. But San Antonio and Orlando will play this weekend. We'll have a preview coming up for you on Thursday. And the most important part of our show, the best bets. Boulevard best bets. It's first edition. Oh, boy, Zook. That hurt in Arlington. It it was painful for me to lose my first ever bet. I, I owed the people more. But when Vegas drove down the field there, and they Arlington sat in prevent, and Sinke Sweeting took that touchdown in, you know what I did in my head? I'm thinking, okay, if they get the two-point conversion and go to overtime, can I cover? <laughs> That's the first thing you're thinking as a gambler. Uh, the answer was no, they didn't get the two. So I lose by that nasty hook. Two and a half. Doesn't come through. Arlington wins by two. But what goes around comes around. And uh, actually didn't have DC minus two. That's a mistake on my end for making that graphic. I actually had the money line. It would have covered either way. But I did take a little bit of juice on the money line. And remember that DC was the only underdog to win outright. That line actually jetted from minus two to plus two throughout the week. So I got it at a worse price. That's something I want to avoid as well. Zook hit his bet for as bad as his weekend was. You come, out, you come out, you put a bow on what was a turd of a weekend for your plunger. Right. 35 and a half, way too low, right? We said that from the beginning. Yeah, and I actually got it a day late. I actually bet it at 36 and a half. Right. And I still got it. His lines are moving. I said it on VEASAN if you caught my hit. And again... <laughs> The record of Mikey Manziel does not reflect Spring Ball Boulevard. We told you'd be on the losing side, and we ran through our previews on Thursday. Zook and I had Arlington. All three of us had Houston. All three of us had St. Louis. Yes. And then Mike and I had D.C., and you had Seattle. So 3-1 and one for Mike and Zook. 4-0 for me. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> That's all I do here, right? So I won't count my little Houston thing I fired on. One minute before kickoff, although I'd like to. So I'd like to be above 500. But I'm one and one against the spread. And Piper's Parlay. Pip, pip, parlay. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds even better when you have a plunger on your head. Stop it. Plus 520. We cash the Pipes Parlay. Uh, What do we have? Arlington money line. Houston money line. And that over of D.C. Seattle. Three-legger. If you played it. You came out more than five to one. You're welcome. One and oh for Piper's parlay. And she's going to cook one up. Piper has absolutely no care in the world that she won this parlay. Unlike Zook, who celebrated when his team was up 18 to eight last night. 
Unlike Mike, who celebrated when his team was up 14-3. And unlike me, who sat in Choctaw Stadium and said, I covered! Yay! Not Piper. She's all business. And the reason that we lose these plays is because we do that. Piper's all business. She could give a care in the world. It's not her first parlay. It's not her first. She wasn't born yesterday. The smart dog. I have an early best bet, or do I? The lines came out. We don't have a graphic for you because it was literally right before the show. Uh, I think I could tell you at least Seattle was a favorite on Thursday's game against St. Louis. Vegas was a favorite against D.C. I know Houston was a favorite against Arlington. And I'm going to, yeah, San Antonio is the favorite against Orlando. I think each of those numbers was two and a half or three and a half. So very close again. All the totals are the same, 36. It's tough. I want to give you one play here. I just don't know which one to decide. So I'll let Zook do it for me. Yikes. Uh, Either the under in Thursday's game, because remember, tough travel. Seattle back to Arlington from D.C. last night. A couple of days of practice all the way out to Seattle, probably Thursday morning, Wednesday night, maybe. Got to play again. St. Louis, same thing. But again, they were closer. They came from San Antonio. They had a bus ride, not a plane. And then they were able to have a little more extra time because that game ended a lot earlier, right? So they do have the advantage there. Seattle fans will come out. They don't care that it's Thursday night. They're going to be out in Lumen Field. But it screams under to me. Just sloppiness all around. Now the total is 37. So do I give that out or do I give out DC plus two and a half? Shocked, by the way, that they're an underdog to Vegas. I know what you're going to say. Uh, I got to give something out. I promised an early best bet. I think I'm taking the under. Yeah, let's roll on the under. It's a smart play, right? That's going to be our early best bet. St. Louis, Seattle, under. Just disgusting game. 9 o'clock FX. Ugh. Who's calling that one? Mikey Manziel. Who did they get to broadcast a Thursday 9 o'clock FX game? I think it's me and Mike on the call with Zook in the truck. I mean, so you got, you got to take the under, even though Seattle's offense looks good. Uh, that'll do it for us here on the Boulevard. Again, like and subscribe our week two PS5. Pick them in the description coming up Thursday. We'll be back Thursday at 8 Eastern for our best bets. Week two breakdowns and revealing where we're headed for week two of the Boulevard Bowl Tour. Week one, a very good success. Also have another great spring ball series guest lined up for that show. If I learned one thing this weekend, guys, it's that I'm not alone. There's a lot of you XFL crazies out there just like me. And I love every single one of you. We hope you enjoy our train wreck of a show. Uh, for Mikey Manzel in Sin City, Chris Zook in the Toilet Plunger, I'm Matty Fresh. And remember, there's no such thing as football season. Good night, guys. See you Thursday. <laughs>